Continuing in A Treatise on the Fear of God by John Bunyan, page 28, column 2, number 2. This fear is called the beginning of wisdom, because then, and not until then, a man begins to be truly spiritually wise. What wisdom is there where the fear of God is not? Job 28, 28, Psalm 111, verse 10. Therefore the fools are described thus, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 129. The word of God is the fountain of knowledge, into which a man will not with godly reverence look, until he is endued with the fear of the Lord. Therefore it is rightly called the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1 verse 7. It is therefore this fear of the Lord that makes a man wise for his soul, for life, and for another world. It is this that teacheth him how he should do to escape those spiritual and eternal ruins that the fool is overtaken with and swallowed up of forever. A man void of this fear of God, where, wherever he is wise or in whatever he excels, yet about the matters of his soul there is none more foolish than himself. For though the one of the fear of the Lord he leaves the best things at sixes and sevens, and only pursueth with all his heart those that will leave him in the snare when he dies. Number three. This fear of the Lord is to hate evil, to hate sin and vanity. Sin and vanity, they are the sweet morsels of the fool, and such which the carnal appetite of the flesh runs after. And it is only the virtue that is in the fear of the Lord that maketh the sinner have an antipathy against it. Job 20, verse 12. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Proverbs 16, verse 6. That is, men shun, separate themselves from, and eschew it in its appearances. Wherefore, it is plain that those that love evil are not possessed with the fear of God. There is a generation that will pursue evil, that will take it in, nourish it, lay it up in their hearts, hide it, plead for it, and rejoice to do it. These cannot have in them the fear of the Lord, for that is to hate it, and to make men depart from it, where the fear of God and sin is, it will be with the soul, as it was with Israel when Omri and Tibni strove to reign among them both at once. One of them must be put to death, they cannot live together. See 1 Kings 16. Sin must down, for the fear of the Lord begetteth in the soul a hatred against it, an abhorrence of it. Therefore sin must die, that is, as to the affections and lusts of it. For as Solomon says in another case, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So we may say where there is a hatred of sin, and where men depart from it, there it loseth much of its power, waxeth feeble, and decayeth. Therefore Solomon saith again, Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Proverbs 3, verse 7. As who should say, Fear the Lord, and it will follow, that you shall depart from evil. Departing from evil is a natural consequence, a proper effect of the fear of the Lord where it is. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil, that is, in their judgment, will, mind, and affections. Not that by the fear of the Lord sin is annihilated or has lost its being in the soul. There still will those Canaanites be. But they are hatred, or hated, loathed, abominated, fought against, prayed against, watched against, 
striven against, and mortified by the soul, Romans 7. Number four, this fear is called a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death, Proverbs 14, verse 27. It is a fountain or spring which so continually supplieth the soul with a variety of considerations of sin, of God, of death, and life eternal, as to keep the soul in continual exercise of virtue and in holy contemplation. It is a fountain of life. Every operation thereof, every act and exercise thereof, hath a true and natural tendency to spiritual and eternal felicity. Wherefore the wise man saith in another place, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Proverbs 19, verse 23. It tendeth to lie, even as of nature, everything hath a tendency to that which is most natural to itself, the fire to burn, the water to wet, the stone to fall, the sun to shine, sin to defile, etc. Thus I say, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. The nature of it is to put the soul upon fearing of God, of closing with Christ, and of walking humbly before him. It is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. What are the snares of death but sin, the wiles of the devil, etc., from which the fear of God hath a natural tendency to deliver thee and to keep thee in the way that tendeth to life? Number five, this fear of the Lord, it is called the instruction of wisdom, Proverbs 15, 33. You heard before that it is the beginning of wisdom, but here you find it called the instruction of wisdom. For indeed, it is not only that which maketh, makes a man begin to be wise, but to improve and to make advantage of all those helps and means to life, which God hath afforded to that end, that is, both to his own and his neighbor's salvation also. It is the instruction of wisdom, and will make a man capable to use all his natural parts, all his natural wisdom to God's glory, and his own good. There lieth even in many natural things that, into which, if we were instructed, would yield us a great deal of help to the understanding of spiritual matters. For in wisdom has God made all the world, nor, nor is there anything that God has made, whether in heaven above or on earth beneath. But there it is couched, some spiritual mystery in it. The which men matter no more than they do the ground they tread on, or than the stones that are under their feet, and all because they have not this fear of the Lord. For had they that, that would teach them to think, even from the knowledge, even from that knowledge of God, that hath by the fear of him put into their hearts, that he being so great and so good, there must needs be abundance of wisdom in the things he hath made. That fear would also endeavor to find out what that wisdom is, yea, and to give to the soul the instruction of it. In that it is called the instruction of wisdom, it intimates to us that its tendency is to keep all even and in good order in the soul. When Job perceived that his friends did not deal with him in an even spirit and orderly manner, he said that they forsook the fear of the Almighty, Job 6, verse 14. For this fear keeps a man even in his words and judgment of things. It may be compared to the ballast of the ship and to the poise of the balance of the scales. It keeps all even and also makes us steer our course right with respect to the things that pertain to God and man.
what the Spirit of God flows from. Second, I come now to the second thing to wit, to show you what the Spirit of God flows from. First, this fear, this grace of fear, this son-like fear of God, it flows from the distinguishing love of God to his elect. I will be their God, saith he, and I will put my fear in their hearts. None other obtain it but those that are enclosed and bound up in that bundle. Therefore they, in the same place, are said to be those that are wrapped up in the eternal or everlasting covenant of God, and so designed to be the people that should be blessed with this fear. I will make an everlasting covenant with them, saith God, that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Jeremiah 32, verses 38 through 40. This covenant declares unto men that God hath in his heart distinguishing love for some of the children of men. For he saith that he will be their God, that he will not leave them, nor yet suffer them to depart, to wit, finally from him. Into these men's hearts he doth put his fear, this blessed grace, and this rare and effectual sign of his love and of their eternal salvation. Second, this fear flows from a new heart. This fear is not in men by nature. The fear of devils they may have, as also an ungodly fear of God. But this fear is not in any but where there dwelleth a new heart. Another fruit and effect of this everlasting covenant, and of this distinguishing love of God. A new heart also will I give them. A new heart. What a one is that? Why, the same prophet saith in another place, A heart to fear me. A circumcised one. A sanctified one. Jeremiah 32 verse 39. Ezekiel 11 verse 19. 36 verse 26. So then, until a man receive a heart from God, a heart from heaven, a new heart, he has not this fear of God in him. New wine must not be put into old bottles, lest the one, to wit, the bottles, mar the wine, or the wine, the bottles. But the new wine must have new bottles, and then both shall be preserved. Matthew 9, verse 17. This fear of God must not be, cannot be found in old hearts. Old hearts are not bottles out of which the fear of God proceeds, but it is from an honest and good heart, from a new one, from such an one that is also an effect of the everlasting covenant and love of God to men. I will give them one heart to fear me. There must be in all actions be heart, and without heart no action is good, nor can there be faith love, or fear from every kind of heart. These must flow from such an one whose nature is to produce and bring forth such fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So from a corrupt heart there cannot proceed such fruit as the fear of God, as to believe in God and love God. Luke chapter 6 verses 43 through 45. The heart naturally is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How then should there flow from such an one the fear of God? It cannot be. He, therefore, 
that have not received at the hands of God a new heart cannot fear the Lord. Third, this fear of God flows from an impression, a sound impression, that the word of God makes on our souls. For without an impress of the word, there is no fear of God. Hence it is said that God gave to Israel good laws, statutes, and judgments, that they might learn them, and in learning them, learn to fear the Lord their God. Therefore, saith God in another place, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 and 2, and 31, verse 12. For as a man drinketh good doctrine into his soul, so he feareth God. If he drinks it in much, he feareth him greatly. If he drinketh it in but little, he feareth him but little. If he drinketh it in not at all, he feareth him not at all. This therefore teaches us how to judge who fears the Lord. They are those that learn and that stand in awe of the word. Those that have by the holy word of God the very form of itself engraven upon the face of their souls. They fear God. Romans 6 verse 17. But, on the contrary, those that do not love good doctrine, that give not place to the wholesome truths of the God of heaven, revealed in his testament, to take place of their souls, but rather despise it, and the true possessors of it, they fear not God. For as I said before, this fear of God, it flows from a sound impression that the word of God makes upon the soul, and therefore, fourthly, this godly fear flows from faith. For where the word makes a sound impression on the soul, by that impression is faith begotten, whence also this fear does flow. Therefore, right hearing of the word is called the hearing of faith, Galatians 3 verse 2. Hence it is said again, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 7. The word, the warning that he had from God of things not seen as yet, wrought through the faith therein, that the fear of God in his heart that made him prepare against unseen dangers and that he might be an inheritor of unseen happiness. Where, therefore, there is not faith in the word of God, there can be none of this fear. And where the word does not make sound impression on the soul, there can be none of this faith. So that as vices hang together and have the links of a chain, dependence upon one another, even so the graces of the Spirit also are the fruits of one another, and have such dependence on each other that the one cannot be without the other. No faith, no fear of God, devil's faith, devil's fear, saint's faith, saint's fear. Fifthly, this godly fear also flows from sound repentance for and from sin. Godly sorrow worketh repentance, and godly repentance produces this fear. For behold, says Paul, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear. 2 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. 
Repentance is the effect of sorrow, and sorrow is the effect of smart, and smart the effect of faith. Now, therefore, fear must needs be an effect of and flow from repentance. Sinner, do not deceive thyself. If thou art a stranger to sound repentance, which standeth in sorrow and shame before God for sin, as also in turning from it, thou hast no fear of God, I mean none of this godly fear, for that is the fruit of, and floweth from, sound repentance. Sixth, this godly fear also flows from a sense of the love and kindness of God to the soul. Where there is no sense of hope of the kindness and mercy of God by Jesus Christ, there can be none of this fear, but rather wrath and despair, which produceth that fear that is either devilish, or else that which is only wrought in us by the Spirit, as a spirit of bondage. But these we do not discourse of now. Wherefore, the godly fear that I now treat of, it flows from some sense of hope of mercy from God by Jesus Christ. If thou, Lord, says David, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. There is mercy with thee. This the soul has sense of and hope in, and therefore fears God. Indeed, nothing can lay a stronger obligation upon the heart to fear God than sense of or hope in mercy. Jeremiah 33, verses 8 and 9. This begetteth true tenderness of heart, true godly softness of spirit. This truly endeareth the, the affections to God, and in this true tenderness, softness, and endearedness of affection to God, lieth the very essence of this fear of the Lord, as is manifest by the fruit of this fear when we shall come to speak of it. Seventh, this fear of God flows from a due consideration of the judgments of God that are to be executed in the world, yea, upon professors too, yea, further, God's people themselves, I mean, as to themselves, have such a consideration of his judgments towards them as to produce this godly fear. When God's judgments are in the earth, they affect the fear of his name in the hearts of his own people. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am, said David, afraid of thy judgments. Psalm 119, verse 120. When God smote Uzzah, David was afraid of God that day. 1 Chronicles 13, verse 12. Indeed, many regard not the works of the Lord, nor take notice of the operation of his hands, and such cannot fear the Lord. But others observe in regard, and wisely consider of his doings, and of the judgments that he executeth, and that makes them fear the Lord. This God himself suggesteth as a means to make us fear him. Hence he commands the false prophet to be stoned, that all Israel might hear and fear. Hence also he commanded that the rebellious son should be stoned, that all Israel might hear and fear. A false witness was also to have the same judgment of God executed upon him, that all Israel might hear and fear. The man also that did aught presumptuously was to die, that all Israel might hear and fear. Deuteronomy 13 verse 11, 21 verse 21, 17 verse 13, 19 verse 20. There is a natural tendency in judgments, as judgments, to beget 
a fear of God in the heart of man, as man, but when the observation of the judgment of God is made by him that hath the principle of true grace in his soul, that observation being made, I say, by a gracious heart, produceth the fear of God in the soul of its own nature, to wit, a gracious or godly fear of God. Eighth, this godly fear also flows from a godly remembrance of our former distresses, when we were distressed with our first fears. For though our first fears were begotten in us by the Spirit's working as a spirit of bondage, and so are not always to be entertained as such, yet even that fear leaveth in us and upon our spirits that sense and relish of our first awakenings and dread, and also occasioneth and produceth this godly fear. Take heed, says God, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons, and thy sons' sons. But what were the things that their eyes had seen, that would so damnify them should they be forgotten? The answer is, the things which they saw at Harib, to wit, the fire, the smoke, the darkness, the earthquake, their first awakenings by the law, by which they were brought into a bondage fear. Yea, they were to remember this especially. Specially, saith he, the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Harib, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth. Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 through 11. The remembrance of what we saw, felt, feared, and trembled under the sense of, when our first fears were upon us, is that which will produce in our hearts this godly, filial fear. Ninth, this godly fear flows from our receiving of an answer of prayer when we supplicated for mercy at the hand of God. See the proof for this. If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart, and spread forth his hands towards this house, then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. They, or that they, may fear thee all the days of their life, that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. 1 Kings 8, 37-40 Tenth, this grace of fear also flows from a blessed conviction of the all-seeing eye of God, that is, from a belief that he certainly knoweth the heart, and seeth every one of the turnings and returnings thereof. This is intimated in the text last mentioned. Whose heart thou knowest, that they may fear thee, to wit, so many of them as be, or shall be convinced of this. Indeed, without this conviction, this godly fear cannot be in us. The want of this conviction made the Pharisees such hypocrites. 
Ye are they, said Christ, which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, Luke 16, verse 15. The Pharisees, I say, were not aware of this. Therefore, they so much preferred themselves before those that by far were better than themselves. And it is for one of this conviction that men go on in such secret sins as they do, so much without fear either of God or his judgments. 11. This grace of fear also flows from a sense of the impartial judgment of God upon men according to their works. This also is manifest from the text mentioned above, and give unto every man according to his works or ways that they may fear thee, etc. This is also manifest by that of Peter. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, 1 Peter 1, verse 17. He that hath godly conviction of this fear of God will fear before him, by which fear their hearts are poised, and works directed with trembling according to the will of God. Thus you see what a weighty and great grace this grace of the holy fear of God is, and how all the graces of the Holy Ghost yield mutually their help and strength to the nourishment and life of it, and also how it flows from them all, and hath the dependence upon every one of them for its due working in the heart of him that hath it. And thus much to show you from whence it flows. And now I shall come to the third thing to wit, to show you. What flows from this godly fear? Third. Having showed you what godly fear flows from, I come now, I say, to show you what proceedeth or flows from this godly fear of God, where it is seated in the heart of man, and first. There flows from this godly fear a godly reverence of God. He is great, said David, and greatly to be feared in the assembly of his saints. God, as I have already showed you, is the proper object of godly fear. It is in his person and majesty that this fear always causeth the eye of the soul to be upon. Behold, saith David, as the eyes of servants look under the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden under the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. Psalm 123, verse 2. Nothing aweth the soul that feareth God so much as does the glorious majesty of God. His person is above all things feared by them, I fear God, said Joseph, Genesis 42, verse 18. That is more than any other. I stand in awe of him. He is my dread. He is my fear. I do all mine actions as in his presence, as in his sight. I reverence his holy and glory majesty, doing all things as with fear and trembling before him. This fear makes them also, or makes them have also, a very great reverence of his word. For that also, I told you, was the rule of their fear. Princes, said David, persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe, in fear, of thy word. This grace of fear, therefore, from it flows reverence of the words of God, of all laws that man feareth the word, and no law that is not agreeing therewith. Psalm 119, verse 116. There flows from this godly fear 
tenderness of God's glory. This fear, I say, will cause a man to afflict his soul, when he seeth that by professors dishonor is brought to the name of God and to his word. Who would not fear thee, said Jeremiah, O king of nations, for to thee doth it appertain? He speaks it as being affected with that dishonor, that by the body of the Jews was continually brought to his name, his word, and ways. He also speaks it of a hearty wish that they once would be otherwise minded. The same saying, in effect, hath also John in the Revelation. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, said he, and glorify thy name? Revelation 15, verse 4. Clearly concluding that godly fear produceth a godly tenderness of God's glory in the world. For that appertaineth unto him, that is, it is due unto him. It is a debt which we owe unto him. Give unto the Lord, said David, the glory due unto his name. Now if there be begotten in the heart of the godly by this grace of fear, a godly tenderness of the glory of God, then it follows of consequence that where they have this fear of God, do see his glory diminished by the wickedness of the children of men. There they are grieved and deeply distressed. Rivers of water, said David, run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. Psalm 119, verse 136. Let me give you for this these following instances. How was David provoked when Goliath defied the God of Israel? 1 Samuel 17, verses 23 through 29, 45 and 46. Also, when others reproached God, he tells us that reproach was even as a sword in his bones. Psalm 42, verse 10. How was Hezekiah afflicted when Rabshaki rallied upon his God, or railed upon his God? Isaiah 37. David also, for the love that he had to the glory of God's word, ran the hazard and reproach of all the mighty people. Psalm 119, verse 151, and 89, verse 50. How tender the glory of God was Eli, Daniel, and the three children in their day. Eli died with fear and trembling of heart when he heard that the ark of God was taken. 1 Samuel 4, verses 14 through 18. Daniel ran the danger of the lion's mouths for the tender love that he had to the word and worship of God. Daniel 6, verses 10 through 16. The three children ran the hazard of a burning fiery furnace rather than they would dare to dishonor the way of their God. Daniel 3, verses 13, 16, and 20. This, therefore, is one of the fruits of this godly fear, to wit, a reverence of his name and tenderness of his glory. Second, where flow, or there flows from this godly fear watchfulness. As it is said of Solomon's servants, they watched about his bed because of fear in the night. So it may be said of them that have this godly fear, it makes them a watchful people. It makes them watch their hearts, and take heed to keep them with all diligence, lest they should, by one or another of its flights, lead them to do that which is in itself is wicked. Proverbs 4, verse 23, Hebrews 12, verse 15. It makes them watch, lest some temptation from hell should enter into their heart to the destroying of them. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It makes them watch their mouths, to, and keep them also, at sometimes, as with a bit, and, and bridle. 
that they offend not with their tongue, knowing that the tongue is apt, being an evil member, soon to catch the fire of hell, to the defiling of the whole body. James 3, verses 2-7 through seven. It makes them watch over their ways, look well to their goings, and to make straight steps for their feet. Psalm 39, verse 1, Hebrews 12, verse 13. Thus this godly fear puts the soul upon its watch, lest from the heart within, or from the devil without, or from the world, or some other temptation, something should surprise and overtake the child of God to defile him, or to cause him to defile the ways of God, and so offend the saints, open the mouths of men, and cause the enemy to speak reproachfully of religion. Third, there flows from this fear a holy provocation to a reverential converse with saints in their religious and godly assemblies for their further progress in the faith and way of holiness. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, spake, that is, of God, and his holy and glorious name, kingdom, and works, for their, nat for, for their mutual edification. A book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Malachi 3, verse 16. The fear of the Lord in the heart provoketh to this in all its acts, not only of necessity, but of nature. It is the natural effect of this godly fear to exercise the church in the contemplation of God, together and apart. All fear, good and bad, hath a natural propenseness in it to incline the heart to contemplate upon the object of fear. And though a man should labor to take off his thoughts from the object of his fear, whether that object was men, hell, devils, etc., yet do what he could the next time his fear had any act in it, it would return again to its object. And so it is with godly fear that will make a man speak of and think upon the name of God reverentially. Psalm 89, verse 7. Yea, and exercise himself in the holy thoughts of him in such sort that his soul shall be sanctified and seasoned with such meditations. Indeed, holy thoughts of God, such as you see this fear doth exercise the heart withal, prepare the heart to and for God. This fear, therefore, it is, it is that David prayed for, for the people, when he said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee. First Chronicles 29, verse 18. Fourth, there flows from the fear of God great reverence of his majesty in and under the use and enjoyment of God's holy ordinances. His ordinances are his courts and palaces, his walks and places, where he giveth his presence to those that wait upon him in them, in the fear of his name. And this is the meaning of that of the apostle. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. Acts 9, verse 31. And walking, that word, intendeth their use of the ordinances of God. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. This, in Old Testament language, is called treading God's courts and walking in his paths. This, saith the text, they did here, in the fear of God, that is, in a great reverence of that God, 
whose ordinances they were. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Leviticus 19, verse 30, 26, verse 2. It is one thing to be conversant in God's ordinances, and another to be conversant in them with the due reverence of the majesty and name of that God whose ordinances they are. It is common for men to do the first, but none can do the last without this fear. In thy fear, said David, will I worship, Psalm 5, verse 7. It is this fear of God, therefore, from whence doth flow that great reverence that his saints have in them, of his majesty, in and under the use and enjoyment of God's holy ordinances, and, consequently, that makes our service and the performance of them acceptable to God through Christ, Hebrews 12. For God expects that we serve him with fear and trembling, and it is odious among men for a man in the presence or about the service of his prince to behave himself lightly and without due reverence of that majesty in whose presence and about whose business he is. And if so, how can their service to God have anything like acceptation from the hand of God that is done not in but without the fear of God? This service must needs be an abomination to him and these servers must come off with rebuke. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, mp3s and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know serve and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.